A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I live in Texas near Fort Worth. A couple of years ago, I was driving my girlfriend to the time home late one night. We stopped at an intersection near her neighborhood where I decided to look down to change the song playing on my phone. When I looked back up, I saw a large black dog run right in front of my headlights. My girlfriend said, Well, did you see that? I replied. Yeah, it was just a dog. No, that dog looks weird, she said. Right there and then, it passed in front of my lights again. I was terrified when I noticed it had no features but more like a solid black mass in the shape of a dog. It ran past my window and I noticed it had what seemed like smoke coming off of it. What the F is that? I screamed. It circled around and went past my girlfriend's window going directly into my car's beam of lights again. As soon as it cleared them, I floored it and sped off down the street. We both couldn't believe what we had seen. When we got to her house, we sat in the car and tried to process what had happened. She broke down in tears and revealed to me that an uncle of hers had seen the dog we had just seen shortly before he passed. She said what we had seen was exactly what he had described to her family. He said he felt it was death coming after him. 
I comforted her as she cried and tried to play tough, but deep down I was absolutely terrified. Was it there for her or for me? A couple weeks later, I was driving alone one night down a dark country road that I would usually cruise on the weekend. Everything was normal when I noticed something moving just out of the beams of the light of the car on the edge of the road as I drove. I slowed down and was shocked to see what was revealed by my headlights. It was that dog again, but this time it was running alongside my car as I drove. I was terrified when I suddenly remembered that the speed limit on this road was 70 miles per hour. This thing was keeping up with me. It was exactly like I had seen it before, a large black mass with smoke coming off of it. As I glanced back and forth between the road and it, I slammed on the brakes. When I turned to look at it, its head was backward, not turned, and it was looking right at me with glowing white eyes. I'd never been more afraid in my whole life. I immediately did a U-turn and hauled my butt back into town. I was shaking the entire way home. Was what I saw a hellhound or something else? Are these things associated with death? My grandfather passed shortly after these events. I've spotted the dog a couple of times since then while driving, but only for a brief moment as I passed it. The tranquil embrace of the forest had always been my sanctuary. As a park ranger, I had spent countless hours immersed in its beauty, watching the seasons change and the wildlife thrive. But nothing could have prepared me for the day my world was forever altered by an encounter that defied explanation. It was a crisp autumn morning, the air infused with the earthy scent of fallen leaves and the distant promise of winter's chill. I set out on my routine patrol, my heart light and my steps purposeful. The forest was alive with a symphony of nature's melodies, and I reveled in its harmonious embrace. As I ventured deeper into the woods, a feeling of unease began to gnaw at the edges of my consciousness. The birdsong had ceased, and the rustling leaves seemed to whisper secrets I could not decipher. I tightened my grip on the camera slung around my neck, a constant companion on my journeys. And then, amidst the towering trees and dappled sunlight, I saw it. A figure, towering and majestic, emerged from the shadows like a mythical creature, stepping out of a forgotten story. My heart raced. My breath caught in my throat as I stared in awe at the enigmatic being before me, the Bigfoot. Its massive form stood like a sentinel, its fur a rich tapestry of russet and brown. Dark, soulful eyes met mine, a silent understanding passing between us. Time seemed to slow, the forest holding its breath as if in reverence of this extraordinary encounter. With trembling hands I raised my camera, my fingers fumbling to capture this momentous occasion. Every click of the shutter echoed in the stillness, a testament to the unbreakable bond between man and nature. I could hardly believe my luck, the proof I had longed for, a glimpse into a world that had eluded human understanding. But fate, it seemed, had other plans. As the shutter snapped, a sudden movement caught my attention. The Bigfoot's eyes widened, its massive frame tensing with a primal instinct. In an instant it was gone vanishing into the depths of the forest with a speed and grace that defied its size. I stood there, stunned, my heart sinking as the realization set in. The photograph I had longed to capture remained elusive, a testament to the fleeting nature of the extraordinary. I had come so close, yet in the blink of an eye it had slipped through my fingers like a wisp of smoke. A profound sadness settled over me, a pang of loss that echoed through the quiet expanse of the woods. 
I lowered my camera, my shoulders slumping, as I watched the place where the majestic creature had stood now empty and void of its presence. The forest, it seemed, had reclaimed its secrets, leaving me with only memories and a bittersweet ache in my heart. As I retraced my steps, I couldn't shake the feeling that I had glimpsed something truly magical, a connection to a world beyond our understanding. With each passing day, the memory of that encounter remained etched in my mind, a constant reminder of the beauty and mystery that lay hidden within the depths of the wilderness. And though I had no photograph to share with the world, I held on to the hope that one day I might once again find myself in the presence of the elusive and magnificent Bigfoot, ready to capture the moment with both my camera and my heart. This happened approximately 11 years ago, 1992. It was around 3 in the morning. I was coming home from a party with a friend. We were driving down Roberts Road, and I know you're thinking Resurrection Mary, but this has nothing to do with her. There was somebody standing by the curb with a lantern, and he got in front of the car, and we slowed down. He walked toward the car. We looked. He had. It was February. He had, like one of his arms was out, like a bandage was hanging. It was stained to look like blood or whatever. This was really gruesome looking. His mouth was agape. His eyes were like rolled in back of his head. His leg was missing and you could see like a translucent face through him. We just looked at each other and were just like, Whoa! We drove on. He walked in back of the car and the other car. We looked in back and the other car went right through him. Went right through him. Art Bell asks him to get over it again. We both saw it and he was right by the side of us. We drove, and he continued to walk across the street, and there was another cemetery. It was Bethany. He was walking to the other cemetery, and there was another car in back that drove right through this apparition. I mean, it blew me away for like a year. I'm telling you, spooked. That was the most spooked out one I've ever been. I mean, I had a witness. We called justice police, but they didn't want to get into it, and then I called Richard Crow, a famous Chicago-based paranormal investigator. I was attacked by an unknown light. So, I was walking my dog in the front yard. I was hit with a light. It felt like it went down in me, then back up. It felt like it lifted my upper body up just a little bit. I felt expanded. I felt like I was energy and light. When I looked at everything, it was covered in shimmering light. The grass, the leaves, my arms. When I looked around, my movement felt like it was flowing. It stopped after about ten seconds. Then, for about twenty minutes after, I would get a small glimpse of that feeling, and I would get goosebumps up and down my arms and a warm feeling across my chest. The next morning I noticed a rash starting on my chest and arms. It spread very fast, across my chest, down my shoulders, arms, and tops of my hands. Everywhere that was, it was exposed the day before. I saw a dermatologist. They do not know what it is. They tested for cancer. Negative. They gave me a steroid. Didn't work at all. Nothing will help it. I still have the rash. It won't go away. It's itchy, bright red, and is kind of shaped like leopard spots. If I'm in the sun too long, it puffs up a little. Then it goes flat again, but hasn't gone away or gotten any lighter. I have also been hearing things in just my left ear since then. I hear humming, ringing, textone sounds, and a few times I've heard people talking. Some in different languages being changed every couple seconds, like channels on a radio station. This just happened this week. 
I was on vacation with my family and they were driving me insane after day three. I decided maybe I'll take a look on Bumble and see if there were any cute locals to meet up with for an hour or two while my family went to more museums, which is not at all my interest. My friends at home also thought it would be a funny story to meet up with a local. For reference, I'm a 25-year-old female and I was with my parents and younger sister for a week. We were in a remote-ish area in a small town out west, visiting a lot of national parks, so there weren't a lot of people nearby on the apps. I started swiping and soon came across a guy who was my age and looked cute. had similar interests as me, so I felt like I would be down to meet up with him. We started talking on the app, then eventually moved to Snapchat. He suggested we go to the next town over, about 30 minutes away, to see the fireworks. I couldn't that night since I had plans with my fam, and I was also hesitant about meeting a guy 30 minutes away, when so was already out of my element and we were in what felt like the middle of nowhere. He knew I was there to do hiking and park, so he suggested we go for a local hike nearby the next day. A lot of great hiking trails around here. Important side note. I deleted my last name on Snapchat before he added me, so he does not know it. I don't know if I had a bad feeling in the back of my mind or what, but I didn't want him knowing much of my info. However, it did show his last name, which is important later. I had hesitations about going into the woods with a random guy, especially since I'd been around the hiking trails the day before and my cell service was cutting in and out. But the trails were well populated and I did want to see more out there and my family was going to some museums that I had no interest in. So I agreed to meet him the next day. That night I got a bad feeling and kept getting more nervous about meeting a random bumble man far from home in an area I don't know too well. Even though my family knew where I would be, I was feeling uncomfortable and decided maybe I should just Google this guy and see what other info I could find about him, like his Instagram or LinkedIn, etc., so I could give my family his info while I was gone in case anything happened. I also wanted to verify what I knew about him, like his workplace and alma mater, etc. Well, I type in his first and last name and the town we're in in Google and click on the first link. Next thing I know, I am looking at a registered sex offender profile with his full name, address, photo description of his offense, etc. And it was fairly recent. I'm not sure if I can go into detail here about his offense, but I can assure you that had I not Googled this man, things could have turned out very, very badly for me. Or maybe not, but nonetheless, I'm shook that I almost met up with a registered sex offender. Please make sure to do your due diligence when meeting people off of the Internet. Edit. I found out his full name because he added me on Snapchat. My family was okay with me meeting, meeting a random guy because I'm an adult and we had just been up to these well-populated hiking trails two days before, and they tracked my location on their phones. Edit again. It didn't have a lot of detail about the offense he committed, but it said it was R and the victim was an 18-year-old girl and it was a third-degree offense. This is all of the info that was available that I could find. More info on why I didn't immediately block him. 1. It showed his address on the offender profile, and it was less than half a mile from my Airbon B. He didn't know where I was staying he was going to pick me up, but from a local coffee shop, because I didn't want him to know where my family and I stayed. 2. The place he worked, a restaurant, was literally across the street from my Airbeam. 3. I didn't want him to know I knew. I don't know why. But it made me feel less safe, so I just wanted to act like I didn't know, be apologetic we couldn't meet up, and play nice in case I happened to run into him in this very small town, then block him the second I left. 
During my deployment in Afghanistan, I was assigned the task of assisting the operator flying the Raven, a small unmanned aerial vehicle equipped with an infrared camera during nighttime operations. Our mission primarily involved searching for insurgents planting roadside bombs, a rather monotonous duty. However, one particular night, something peculiar caught our attention on the camera's feed. In the corner of the camera's view, we noticed a distinct circular hotspot. Intrigued, we maneuvered the raven to obtain a better perspective, hoping to unravel the mystery of this featureless, intensely glowing sphere. Whether displayed in white and cold or black and hot, this enigmatic entity remained an impenetrable solid black, unwavering for approximately five minutes. Then, abruptly, it swiftly descended, almost touching the ground as we flew at an altitude of around 160 feet above ground level. Just as swiftly, it ascended back into the sky, disappearing from the raven's range. Intrigued and perplexed, we immediately reported the sighting of this unidentified flying object, UFO, to the Tactical Operations Center, TOC, however. Their response offered little satisfaction. They dismissed it as a mere glitch, stating that there was no corresponding satellite data in that specific area. Determined to investigate further, we turned to the footage recorded on our specialized Toughbook laptop. To our astonishment, when we reviewed the footage, we discovered a glaring omission. The five minutes encompassing the UFO sighting were conspicuously missing. It was as if those crucial moments had been deliberately erased or simply vanished into thin air. There is an expansive stretch of woods and forests near my house, a vast playground for exploration during my childhood. It was a common occurrence for my friends and me to venture into this realm stumbling upon discarded items like clothing, gardening tools, and even a forgotten twister game. On one particular day, driven by curiosity and a sense of mischief, we decided to venture into the woods once again. As we roamed around, a rustling sound broke the tranquility of the surroundings. We dismissed it as some harmless animal, jokingly attributing the noise to their playful antics. However, the subsequent sound we heard was unlike anything we had encountered before. A prolonged, eerie sound, reminiscent of accidentally stepping on a cat's tail. An eerie silence enveloped the forest, sending shivers down our spines. The stillness was so profound that the faintest sound would have echoed like a thunderclap. It was in that moment of eerie quietude that we beheld its presence. With startling agility, it darted past us on all fours. Its bulging eyes fixated upon us. It stared directly into our souls resembling a deer caught in the headlights of an approaching car. Frozen in fear, we lacked the instinct to fight or flee. Only sheer terror gripped our beings. The creature lingered for a brief moment, turning its head with an unsettling motion when one of us dared to make a slight movement. In hindsight, its visage seemed as if a wild animal had suffered the gruesome loss of its facial features, yet the fluidity of its movements was deeply unsettling. Emitting another spine-chilling noise, our peripheral vision caught a glimpse of a black bear in the distance. Without hesitation, the creature charged toward the bear, providing us the perfect opportunity to escape. We sprinted away with unmatched speed, propelled by adrenaline and the echoes of that creature's unsettling noise reverberating through our minds. From that day forward, I adamantly refused to set foot in those backyard woods ever again, haunted by the memory of that chilling encounter.
I was in junior high and deer hunting with my brother. My dad had dropped us off and we planned to hunt our way to another location where he would pick us up. We got half the way to the lake when some dude started shooting down at the lake. Like a lot. When we were able to get a look, we saw that he was shooting at what looked like paper plates about 10 to 15 from the shore. We got to the other side of the lake and the shooting stopped. My brother decided to hide in a bush and scope him to see what he was doing. I now realize this was a bad idea. My brother said he's loading his gun and then says he's pointing it at us. Just then I saw a splash in the middle of the lake near some ducks and shortly after I heard the bullet pass through the trees over our head. It seemed like it was only ten feet over our heads, but I don't know. The bullets were skipping off the water and continuing toward us. That guy got a few more shots off that crash through the trees all around us before he heard us yelling at him. He could have killed us. My brother tried to chase him down and I was really worried what he would do if he caught him. When we caught up to him, he was fifty yards up a steep hill, from us apologizing profusely. My brother cussed him out pretty good, which was a good outcome, considering we were all armed and my brother was a hothead. So there you go once again. The two-legged animals in the woods proved to be the most dangerous. Thorndale, Ontario, is a place no one in here is likely heard of. It lies just north of London and is home to approximately one woodchuck, two beavers, and a few beavers. Jokes aside, I lived in this town as a child and grew up country. Although London Arva was already not that far away and I did go to a high school in that area. Anyways, this little town has woods all around the northern side of it, opposite to London, which at that time was a fair way south of Thorndale, but these days is not that far at all, maybe a couple miles max. And it was here where we would play as kids in the late 90s, very early 2000s, because rural internet that wasn't 16K dial-up internet certainly did not exist at that time. One day, while playing out in these woods, we heard a distant but gut-wrenching scream so loud that it hurt our young ears. Somewhere distantly, someone was in major distress. We only heard that scream before there was dead silence. We told our parents, but being kids, we lost interest in what had happened. Me and my friend's fathers went out, being big countrymen, and when they came back, even us, kids knew they'd seen something horrible. Years later, my father told me that he found a woman with an axe buried so deep in her skull it came out the other side of her head. He did, naturally. Call 911, but the person who committed the act was never found, so to this day Thorndale still likely has a murderer roaming. It's a couple of streets. The reason I posted this here, not in... Let's not meet, or another more in danger subreddit is because this was seemingly a homicide targeted at that woman specifically, and it happened a mile or so into the woods, so far away from where we were. Listen closely, for what I'm about to tell you is true and highly classified. I risk my freedom by revealing this, but the world needs to know. My name is John and I was a part of a Navy SEAL team led by a remarkable leader named Bernie. Our mission took us to a remote village in Serbia, suspected of harboring pro-Russian terrorists. Little did we know that the horrors we would face there would defy explanation. As we infiltrated the village under the cover of darkness, our objective was clear, gather intelligence and neutralize any threats we encountered. The villagers at first glance seemed ordinary, welcoming us with open arms, providing us with food and shelter. They insisted that there were no terrorists in their midst, 
claiming to be simple, peace-loving people. We let our guard down, taking a moment to relax and replenish our strength. We conversed with the villagers trying to gain their trust, while secretly plotting our search for any signs of the suspected terrorists. Nightfall would be our cover, allowing us to move undetected through the shadows, but as midnight approached, a piercing, otherworldly screech shattered the tranquility. We rushed outside, our hearts pounding in our chests, only to witness a sight that would haunt our nightmares. The villagers, once seemingly ordinary, transformed into grotesque creatures, resembling the very essence of vampires from our darkest folklore. Fear gripped our hearts as we realized the dire situation we were in. The creatures sensed our presence, their eyes burning with an insatiable hunger. Without hesitation, we grabbed our weapons and unleashed a torrent of bullets upon them. The night was filled with the cacophony of gunfire and the chilling screams of the unnatural being. In the midst of the battle, we lost three of our own, brave Navy SEALs who fought valiantly but succumbed to the overwhelming force of the creatures. Their sacrifice weighed heavily on us, fueling our determination to survive and complete the mission. When dawn finally broke, we cautiously ventured outside, our hearts heavy with grief and disbelief. The village lay empty, devoid of life. It was as if the horrors of the night had vanished with the rising sun, leaving no trace behind. In the aftermath, we made a solemn pact. We vowed to keep our lips sealed, never uttering a word about the supernatural horrors we had encountered. The truth was too far, fetched, too dangerous to disclose. Our words would be dismissed as madness, our credibility shattered. We, the remaining Navy SEALs, shouldered the burden of this secret, carrying it with us through the years that followed. Each of us knew that the truth could imprison us, not behind enemy lines, but within the confines of our own government's wall. Me, my fiancé, his sister, and her boyfriend had hiked up maybe two, three miles to a spot where we could chill and camp for the night. After we had had a few many drinks and had a good time, we fell asleep in our two separate tents. I slept like a baby through the night next to my fiancé, who also slept like a rock. Once we woke up, we cleaned up and gathered everything. We headed back down the trail and got in the car to grab some breakfast. We stopped in a McDonald's attached to a gas station or a convenience store and sat down, hung over as hell and tired. My fiancé's sister's boyfriend, that's a mouthful, was having a sip of his coffee and turned to me. Dude, you were up late as hell last night. You good? I just looked at him and didn't know what he meant. I'd fallen asleep at the same time as everyone else. He claimed he saw me in between the tents when he got up to take a piss around two in the morning. His smile immediately faded when I told him that. I felt a massive chill go through my body. I wasn't sure who or what he'd seen, but it wasn't me, and I know that much. I was out for a day hike in the Hudson Valley in New York. My friend and I are probably about three miles into the woods on a section of the trail surrounded by absolutely nothing but shitloads of trees. No breaks in them or anything, really. And it was a relatively flat section after just coming down from the sump. Off in distance, not too far from the trail, there was a perfectly inflated red balloon tied the trunk of a tree. We hadn't seen a single other person on the trail all day, and the forest was eerily quiet, too. It looked like the area hadn't been disturbed at all. No signs of footprints or other people being on that section of trail. It just gave me the creeps. 
Even now, when I hike that same trail, I get goosebumps and an eerie feeling when I go through that section. To my knowledge, it's not haunted and nothing happened there either. So yeah, just a random, perfectly inflated red balloon tied to a tree. Me and my friends were hiking in Hoosier National Forest, which is a massive forest around Bloomington, Indiana. This R is full of hillbillies and rednecks, so when we looked at the map and saw houses, we knew what we were in for. The first encounter we had was a man with a swisher suite in his mouth, walking down one of the foothills with close to eight dead possum. Not even in traps, they were just on his back. The second encounter we had was with these people walking around with a confederate flag. As we walked up the foothill, we heard these guys talking about how they didn't like all the tourists because they were bringing them any Mexicans. The entire time as we walked past they were waving the flag and chanting random shit the entire time. The last thing we saw was close to the end when near the lake we saw these people near a den or something on the shore of the water waving around a dead raccoon with blood dripping from it. I still don't know what they were doing. That hike leaves me with so many questions. I'm Park Ranger Anthony, stationed in the dense Ozark forests. I never expected the chilling events that unfolded during a routine patrol. Eerie whispers shattered the tranquility, drawing me toward an unknown presence. Curiosity compelled me to follow the haunting whispers through the labyrinthine forest paths. They led me to a concealed cave, its dark mouth inviting me to uncover its secrets. With trepidation, I stepped into the dimly lit abyss, Inside the cave, I stumbled upon an unimaginable sight, a cryptid unlike any I'd encountered before. It had the body of a dog, agile and swift, but with an eerily human-like face. The creature, known as the Crawler, radiated malice. Without warning, the Crawler lunged at me with incredible speed and ferocity. I fought back, but its sharp claws left me wounded and vulnerable. Desperation gripped me as I realized the gravity of the situation. I needed a weapon tool to fend off this unholy creature. In my gear, I found a small hatchet, a humble ranger's tool. Clutching it tightly, I summoned all my courage and brandished it before the crawler. Surprisingly, the creature hesitated, its malevolent eyes fixated on the glimmering metal. Seizing the moment, I swung the hatchet with all my might, aiming to scare the cryptid into submission. The crawler recoiled, emitting a chilling howl as it retreated into the cave's darkness. Adrenaline surged through me, knowing I had momentarily fended off the creature. Injured and shaken, I reached for my radio, trembling as I called for assistance. Relaying the unfolding events, I anticipated the incredulity that would follow. Who would believe in such an abominable cryptid lurking within our pristine forests? As I waited for help, doubts plagued my mind. Would they dismiss my account as mere imagination? Would my injuries be brushed off as a simple accident? Time would reveal if the truth of my encounter would be acknowledged. Nursing my wounds, I vowed to remain steadfast, despite disbelief or skepticism. Deep within the heart of the Ozarks, an unimaginable terror had altered my perception of the natural world forever. Help eventually arrived, accompanied by skeptical glances. Yet within me, the memory of that encounter would forever haunt a testament to the cryptid lurking within the shadows. Was hiking the Half Dome Trail in Yosemite 
and there was a group of hikers that were huddled together, and everyone had stopped on the trail. We were going to walk past, and they told us that someone had just died a little way up. We all waited around for another 15 minutes or so, and everyone decided we had to keep going. Someone had slipped or fallen and hit their head on a rock. Not in a dangerous area, but we had to walk by the body to the right of us with his family, wife, and kids crying to the left. It was really tough and changed the mood of the entire hike. Felt so bad for his family. I'd say it was the time I learned how ruthless nature truly is. I was maybe eight and my parents had decided we'd go out for a hike in the woods. Somewhere along the way I saw a bird's nest on the ground and approached it. I got about halfway to it when I saw a snake in the nest in the process of eating the last chick in the nest. I'd say it's an important lesson for kids to learn that that nature doesn't give a flying. If I mean, but my experience was a bit extreme for an eight-year-old to see. Early on as a hiker, I had been hiking on a trail in California with a fairly large group when I fell behind and got lost. An hour or so after I'd lost the path, it had gotten dark, and I could now barely see two feet in front of me even with a flashlight. Eventually I meet this singular guy on the trail. No gear, no group, not even a flashlight, just one guy walking in the dark in a baseball cap. He asks me if I'm lost, and when I say yes, he tells me he knows the way back to the main trail. And I follow him while we make small talk, and eventually when we get within 100 feet to the starting trail where I can see my group, he just turns around and walks back into the pitch-black forest without saying another word. My group tells me they've been waiting there for me for almost an hour, and that they had started to get really worried. They said they were cutting the hike short and that everyone was going home. Apparently a guy had shot his wife in the head five miles from where we were, and police were still searching for him because he had fled into the nearby forest. 